Got it switched? All right, man. Thank you. Uh, back to our series, Lessons from the Red Sea. Um, if you're visiting with us or just joining us for the first time, we've been on a journey for about the last month. It's going to go a number more weeks. Uh, whenever you find yourself in a storm, a crisis, one that you did not necessarily bring on yourself, one that you did not incur by any wrong choices or anything like that, um, how do you handle that time of life? And so, so far we have learned four lessons, lessons from the Red Sea, studying the story of Moses and the Israelites as they left Egypt and Pharaoh. And the first lesson that we uh, found out was you are exactly where God wants you to be. You are exactly where God wants you to be. Again, realizing that this is maybe a storm or crisis that you've not done anything to purposely put yourself in this situation, you have to start off with here saying, God has obviously allowed me to be in this place. And that can just bring a sense of calm right from the get-go. The second thing that we learned is, how can God be glorified through my storm? Ask the right questions. And instead of saying, why me? Or why did this happen? Or, or woe is me, which we often do. Ask the question is, how can God be glorified in my storm? The third lesson that we learned was, know who the enemy is, but just keep your eyes on Jesus. Know who the enemy is, but keep your eyes on Jesus. And the last thing that we talked about two weeks ago was simply pray. Pray urgently. Pray with earnestness. Pray united with the body of Christ and also pray in faith. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 14. We'll go back to our focus passage. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. Just to kind of recap and to get back into the flow of this, we will begin at verse 10. Exodus 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? And then our focus passage this morning Verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Would you pray with me? Father, this is your day. You are our God. You are our King, as we just sang. This is your message. It's from your word. 
may you be honored and glorified through it today. God, I pray that the words that come from me will not be from me, but it would be from your throne directly. That it would impact all of us, encourage us, strengthen us, give us that willingness to fight, give us that confidence and faith that we need to have in you during these times of life. Bless your word. Bless this message in Christ's name. Amen. Our focus passage today reveals our fifth lesson, uh, but it's just not going to be one thing. I'm going to break this fifth lesson down into three sub-lessons, so to speak. Based on the verses that we just read, the very first thing that we can see with this lesson, number five, is be still. Be still. This can be very hard to do in life. Somebody say amen to that, right? This can be very hard to do in life. I am someone, and I don't know if there's a lot of people that love traffic jams, but I'm someone who absolutely hates traffic jams. I can't stand it. If I'm sitting there, if I have any other way around, I will try and go around it. Even if it ends up that the traffic jam is simple and it goes through quicker than what, I'd rather just be moving. I'd just rather be going. Um, That's just the way that we are. Is that true? This is the way we are in our storms and our crisis. We just want to do something. We want to do anything just so we can get ourselves out of that moment, out of that moment of crisis. But here we're told that the very last thing that our flesh wants to do is the very first thing that we should do, is to be still. Sometimes God has to practically slap us in the face and say, Stop! Don't move! Stop making matters worse and just be still. This is exactly what the Israelites needed to do. Instead, they began to panic. Can't really blame them. If you were in their shoes, you probably, I would do the same thing. But standing still and not panicking is not always the easiest thing to do. I heard a story, it's a little humorous, but once you kind of put yourself in their shoes, it might not so be so humorous. I heard a story about a family, a mother and a father who had uh, taken their three-week-old infant to a corn maze at a farm in Massachusetts. Now, this is just not one of those cute little corn mazes. This is a picture of the corn maze, and tell me what you think about it. It's huge. So this is the corn maze that this family uh, uh, you know, decided to have a nice leisurely fall afternoon, but it turns out they could not get out. <laughs> and it got so bad that they ended up calling 911 <laughs> to get them out of this corn maze. When the dispatcher picked up the call, the mother frantically said, I'm stuck at Connor's farm and I don't see anybody. I'm really scared. Now, they went in early in the day and then she said, it's now dark and we have a three-year-old baby and we don't know what to do. Crazy, but they were panicking. They were all over that maze trying to get out. Now, listen to what the dispatcher said. Quote, the dispatcher, the 911 dispatcher said, ma'am, Just relax, calm down, it's imperative that you stay where you're at. 
for the police are on their way. The mother then said, we thought this would be fun, but instead it's been a nightmare. Good news, obviously, they eventually got out. They're still not there, but um, life can be like this. Sometimes we may even want to panic and take matters into our own hands. But folks, if there's one thing that I've learned in my Christian walk is that most every time when our impulses and our flesh wants to do something, God says, be still. Have you noticed that? Have you ever learned that, those of you who have walked in the way for very long? He just tells you to just be still. And then the times whenever we don't want to do anything, we just want to kind of sit in our seats and just be comfy and cozy, God says, no, I want you to get out. And That's just the way that he moves. Psalm 37, 7 and 8 says, rest in the Lord. That word is for someone here today. That is a word. I'm not trying to like spook people out. And, and I'll, I'll hear people on TV um, these name it, claim it, and prophets, and and it's like they try to mentally like get into. See, I know this is talking to you. I don't know that, but the Lord just said, "This is for someone here today." God is telling someone, "Rest in me. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way." Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. So our first sub-lesson today is be still. Be still. The second one is give God time. Give God time. This second sub-lesson, this second aspect is uh, closely related to what we just talked about in being still. Uh, When we become still, we then give God time to work, church. Notice in our scripture the order in which Moses spoke to the people. He said first to, quote, be still, then they would see the salvation of the Lord, right? Right? then they would see the salvation of the Lord. Now, here's a question that, you know, I don't know if you really have to answer so much, but I'll just know from the look on your face. Has anyone here ever let your emotions get the best of you? Say amen or ouch. Ah, ha-ha. We have one honest soul back there. You know, if you think about it, the word emotion is simply the word motion with an E in front of it. Right? Um, In front of that motion is an E. And this is what emotion causes us to do. Uh, Go in motion to move and oftentimes take matters into our own hands and it would just make things worse. But we have to do something, right? We don't want to be still. We don't want to give God time. We just let our emotions carry it. All of us have different personalities and different bents with our emotions, but giving in to our emotions can often make matters worse, and we follow our emotions, and we just mess everything up. During these times when our impulses and our emotions want to take over, 
we need to let go and let God. Many of you have heard that phrase before, just let go and let God. Listen, whatever seemingly impossible situation that you are in today, I guarantee you God is custom-made for your situation today. He's custom-made for it. He knows all the ins and outs of your maze today. And He knows exactly how and when to get us out. But did you notice? He knows how and when. God has His way. He has His own time, His own timetable. And He will only work when we first become still and give God time to work. A few weeks ago, I talked about the cloud of uh, uh, the pillar of cloud uh, that led the Israelites in the wilderness. We talked about the cloud um, that led them during the day and the cloud, the pillar of fire by night that led them at night. Um, and, and I don't know what it looked like. I tried to get on the Internet and you type in pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. I don't know. It may have been something like that. But what would happen is the uh, God, this was God's um, presence, His visible His visible presence to the people of Israel and how amazing that must have been. Let me read, you don't have to turn there, but Numbers 9 says this in verse 15, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, this was at the time that Moses had uh, uh, set the tabernacle up and it was one of those um, retractable type things, okay? You could set it up and tear it down, set it up and tear it down, be ready to move wherever God said move. It wasn't Solomon's temple that was a permanent structure, it says, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle and the tent of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the clouds stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. Sounds like a wonderful thing, right? I mean, who of us would not love to wake up every morning and see a physical presence of God? And, 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 and He tells us, okay, where this goes, you go. And where it stays, you stay. And that would just make it very easy, wouldn't it? Just to know what to do in life like that. Must have been a great sign for the Israelites. However, until it came time... When the Israelites really wanted to move, we're tired of being here. We're tired of these surroundings and our circumstances. We want to move. We want to get out of here. But the cloud just remained. There's an article that I want to read in streams, one of our favorite books at home. Let me read this. In this... Um, setting that I just talked about in Numbers. 
This was the ultimate test of obedience. It was relatively easy to fold up their tents when the fleecy clouds slowly gathered over the tabernacle and began to majestically float ahead of the multitude of the Israelites. Change normally seems pleasant, and the people were excited and interested in the route, the scenery, and the habitat of the next stopping place. Yet having to wait was another story altogether. When the cloud remained, however uninviting and sweltering the location, however trying to flesh and blood, however boring and wearisome to those who were impatient, however perilously close their exposure to danger, there was no, out, no option but to remain encamped. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. And what God did for the Old Testament saints, he will do for believers down through the ages. Yet he will often keep us waiting. Must we wait when we are face to face with a threatening enemy, surrounded by danger and fear, or below an unstable rock? Would this not be the time to fold our tents and leave? Have we not already suffered to the point of total collapse? Can we not exchange the sweltering heat for green pastures and quiet waters? When God sends no answer and the cloud remains, church, we must remain. Yet we can do so with the full assurance of God's provision of manna, water from the rock, shelter and protection from our enemies. He never keeps us at our post. Now listen to this. He never keeps us at our post without assuring us of his presence or sending us daily supply. Young person, wait. Do not be in such a hurry to make a change. Saint, stay at your post. You must wait where you are until the cloud clearly begins to move. Wait for the Lord to give you his good Pleasure, for he will not be late. It's hard to do, isn't it? Verse 22 in Numbers 9 says, Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. Folks, this is a hard lesson. Sometimes God wants us to be still. Remain where we're at so He can work. Wait on the Lord. Be still and give God time. He throws some words out at you. Afraid. Scared. Apprehensive. Frightened. Terrified. Worried. Anxious. Timid. Nervous. These are all words to describe how we at times can feel in life, how we very well could feel in times of our crisis. I know I've been there. As you may know, there are, I believe, literally hundreds of known fears, phobias that have actually been diagnosed and have been given medical terms or medical names. Some of them are hard to believe. Listen to some of these that have 
been diagnosed and that have been given actual medical names. Someone who has the fear of losing their cell phone signal. The fear of going to church. Someone has that fear. The fear of the wind. Listen to this. Someone actually has a fear of gold. There's something wrong with that person, seriously. Someone has the fear of looking at themselves in the mirror. And this last one, there's, there's a number of them. You can get on the internet and look at them. But listen to this. There is actually a fear name for someone who is afraid of mixed match socks. <laughs> the socks that don't match, they have a fear of that. Someone in here has that fear, isn't it? I know it's you. I, I love to do the socks at home. You know, we do the laundry. I say, give me the socks. I, that just really gives me a sense of accomplishing something whenever I can match the socks, all right? Don't send me your socks. I'm not doing yours. I'll just do my own. Everyone has fears. I'll tell you this story. I wasn't going to tell it. I may have told this story in one of the, a Bible study some night. Those of you who have been here very long, my aunt and uncle, Nanny and Uncle Bill, used to pastor here years ago. And uh, early in Nanny and Uncle Bill's... Remember my Nanny and Uncle Bill? Raise your hand. All right, you know who I'm talking about. Those of you, this will be new to you probably. Um, years ago, early in their marriage, um, they were in their apartment or whatever it was. Nanny screamed. Um, she said, Mouse, there's a mouse. And she got up on the chair and she says, Billy, get it. And she turned around and he was on the other chair. <laughs> Brian, did you record this? I don't know if they're going to hear this or not. Probably not, but uh, I'll never forget that. (laughs) Everyone has fears. And being fearful in our time of storm and crisis, folks, is a natural thing. But what I'm going to say next is going to sound like something a preacher said. Being fearful when our storms is a natural thing, but it does not need to be like this. How can you say that, Pastor? Depending upon what version of the Bible that you're using, the phrase, don't be afraid, or fear not, is mentioned 149 times in the Bible. Which leads us to our third sub-lesson this morning. Be confident. Be confident. It's not be confident. Be confident. Not in yourself, but in the Lord. Look, humanly speaking, the Israelites had every right to be scared to death. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to bondage, but it was better than where Moses had taken them. And here they are, and I've said it many times, you know, in front of them is the sea and the right and the left. There's no place to go. And behind them are many, many chariots coming down hard on them. And they didn't know. I mean, in that time, folks, there, were, there wasn't a lot of diplomacy at this time of, of life and in our history and culture. I mean, they had spurned Pharaoh, and more than likely, the, uh, the, the army was coming to annihilate them, not just take them back, but annihilate them. They had every reason to cower in fear. But if they had reason to fear, they had an even better reason to be fearless 
because they had a God who had just turned the Nile River into blood. They had a God who made millions of frogs appear out of nowhere. They had a God who had created lice as thick as dust and placed it on every Egyptian thing that existed. Sent swarms of flies that covered the Egyptian people's servants in their houses. They had a God who sent disease and boil, boils and hail and locusts and darkness that covered the noonday sun. And then finally, they had a God that sent the death angel with extreme precision. This was their God, church, and let me remind you this morning, this is your God. This is your God. This is your God. Um, I admit that this picture that I'm going to show you next, there has been some uh, controversy, but I've been doing a lot of reading about it, and it seems like there's an awful lot of fact um, on it. Um, they have done a lot of research in the Red Sea, and uh, there are certain um, professors and archaeologists, and they have found an area of the Red Sea to where there are cor- uh, there are uh, objects like that that have a ton of coral that has just grown over and over through the years and years and years, and they have. Um, they have searched the sea floor and it is just covered and polluted with things that they know are just not naturally made. And what they believe is that they have found the crossing of the Red Sea because they believe that this looks an awful lot like the side of a chariot wheel. Yeah, I just heard you go, ooh, ooh. They've also found things like this at the bottom of the Red Sea could be a chariot wheel, but this is all over the area. And yesterday, Stephanie and I, we went out and we were doing some shopping, and I was remembering uh, this message and, and thinking about this picture, and I, it just gave me a little pep to my step, because this is my God, and it's your God. Now, do we need that to prove? No, we don't need that. But isn't that cool? The very story that we've been talking about for weeks, it is all over the floor of the Red Sea. Church, this is our God, this is your God. And as believers in Christ, let's not forget who is on our side. Deuteronomy 1, Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. According to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son. Oh, isn't that a beautiful picture? As a man carries his son. And all the way that you went until you came to this place. Deuteronomy 3.22, You must not fear them, for the Lord your God himself fights for you. 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And because of that, it leads us to say in Romans 8, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him 
who loved us. Somebody say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this quote right here. I do not care what the circumstances may be. The Christians should never be agitated. The Christian should never be beside himself. The Christian should never be at his wit's end. Should never be in a condition in which he has lost hope. It implies a lack of trust and confidence in God. Now, that's a tough statement. That's tough. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Brock, that's almost impossible, isn't it? It's a tough statement, but it's true. If we will but place our faith in Jesus Christ. If we will but put this God at the center of our crisis, and the peace that passes all understanding, as Philippians tells us, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. However, this can only be done when we are still before God. When we give God time to work and our confidence is in the Lord. I'm going to end with a story. It's a story back in the same time frame as Darlene Diebler Rose. Some of you are probably wondering, okay, is there going to be more to that story? Yes, and guess what you have to do? Come back. Um, I have to think. I think there's a couple more times we'll talk about Darlene Diebler Rose. But this story involves another uh, set of missionaries. Their name was Arthur and Wilda Matthews. They were missionaries to China. They were stuck smack dab in the middle of a storm. Their living conditions had deteriorated to the point that all they had was a bare kitchen. In the corner of that kitchen was a little closet, actually was a little chest, just barely big enough to crawl into in case they had to hide. Wilda converted this chest into her prayer closet. They applied for visas, but while they waited, they heard various citizens taken out into the field and they were executed. They could even hear the shots that rang out. The strain grew unbearable. I can't imagine. Put yourself in their shoes. Days turned into weeks and weeks into months. One day the, uh, the church had more of an underground service and they had an Easter service. Service, uh, Wilda went and they were singing, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. But as she tried to sing it, no words came out of her mouth. She was so distraught and overcome with fear. And it was then that she ran back to her hell, her house, her home. And she crawled into that chest and she crawled into her prayer closet. And it was then that God reminded her of these words in Second Chronicles. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours. But God's, you will not need to fight in this battle. 
position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord is with you. With this will, they decided to stand still and give God time to work. With this decision, she found herself filled with a new sense of trust, rest, confidence, peace, and a calmness. Now, you may be expecting me to say, the very next day their visas came through and they were gone that week. The story doesn't end like that. Remember how I said in verse 22 that sometimes the clouds stayed over the camp for a day, for a week, for a month, or for a year, and they had to stay. God allowed this couple to endure this storm for another two years, repeatedly being put in dangerous situations, but they continued to commit themselves into God's hands until one day... God miraculously came through on their visas and all the missionaries got out of the country and the very last couple to get out was, who do you think? Wilda and her husband. I don't know if Mandy's up here or not. That's okay. Dick, you have time to do this? Okay. Are you going to be here? Okay, yeah. Um, Joyce, could you come up? I just want us to um, sing Trust and Obey, page 525. Page 525. I wasn't sure if Dick or Mandy was going to be around, but we'll ask Dick to lead this. And And here we are again at the end of another sermon, another service, and Pastor Brock's giving another message. and, And I'm not trying to say, church, that it's just as simple as one, two, three, just follow these lessons and You know, it'll be easy, it'll be simple. I'm not saying that at all. Someone here may be going through the storm of a lifetime and you're having a hard time getting through it. I believe that these steps can help. Help not just help you cope with it, but help you victoriously get through Life can be hard. Life can be very hard. But God has not left us alone. And as we, taught, as we sang in one of the early songs, we are not to act like those who have no hope. Psalm 39.7 and 71 says, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. My hope is in you. For you are my hope, O Lord God. And you are my trust from my youth. Hopefully these things will help. Be obedient to the Lord. We're going to sing just a couple of verses of trust and obey. And then we'll close in prayer. Would you stand with me, please? Let me pray with you. Lord, pretty easy to preach a message like this. Living it is another thing, isn't it? But I am so glad. Thank you that you have not left us alone. You have not left us by ourselves. 
God, this morning, you're telling all of us, but maybe extremely pertinent for someone this morning going through something, you're telling someone, be still. Rest in me. Give me time to work. And child, when you make that decision in your heart, you can then be confident, knowing that you are not alone, knowing that I will fight for you, I will come along beside of you and give you what you need. Lord, would someone this morning make that declaration in their heart? And would they walk out of here different than what they came? Or maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment. (laughs) You've been dealing with them on something for a long time. God, may they just let go and let you. Let go and let God. Maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to accept you as their Lord and Savior. They've never made it official. They've never really asked you to forgive them of their sins, to come into their heart, to take up residence, and to get rid of all the old junk that's taken, up, taken place up to this point and to allow you to give them a fresh start. Or today could be the day that they would trust and that they would obey you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.